Big Fluffy. Can I say hi to mom? Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this Kamala is just a bundle of laughs. By God, he's done it all. <laughs> dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And today I am bringing you audio from the interview I did in 2006 with Jim Kamala Harris. Uh, I, I, like a lot of you, I, I was very sad to see that he passed away this past week. Uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about this interview uh, since hearing the news. Uh, and it's an interview that honestly, I have thought about a lot since conducting it, uh, just because, you know, he is such a lovely person and such a uh, interesting person and, and, you know, was a part of a really big moment in, in wrestling history. You know, he was he wrestled in main events against Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Uh, and he was this figure from my childhood that obviously like looms really large in my imagination. Uh, and, you know, as an adult and obviously after talking to him and, and you know, just reflecting all these years later, there, there's always going to be a lot that's complicated about wrestling and particularly wrestling from that era and the character and the fact that, you know, he really wasn't paid what he deserved and, and, you know, the, the Kamala character itself, you know, and there's a lot to, to unpack and I am perhaps not the, the right person to, uh, properly unpack it. And maybe this isn't the best time. Uh, but just as I reflect on it, I do, I wanted to share this interview, interview audio, uh, I've never published the audio before. There's the print version that's been on the site since 2006. Uh, and this was at a time before uh, we did podcast interviews. And so, uh, you know, the the audio quality is, is a little suspect, but I think that it is good enough to enjoy. And I I don't know, for me, it was really comforting and, and nice to be able to hear his voice and I thought maybe it might, that might be for you guys as well. So I, I really wanted to share it. Uh, I really am glad that I got the chance to speak to him. And uh, without further ado, here is my interview. Where are you originally from and uh, what was your childhood like? Originally from Mississippi, where I reside now, right here in San Antonio, Mississippi. It's a little place south of Memphis, about 30 miles. 
I'm right next door to Memphis, and I was raised up in a little place called Coldwater, Mississippi, which is five miles north of Senatovia, where I live now. I was raised up in a place called Coldwater, which is north of Senatovia, about five miles. And I grew up in, uh, I was born in Senatovia, and I grew up in Coldwater. And that's where I went to school. And uh, my childhood, I grew, grew up over here. We was a real poor family. We was like sharecroppers, picking cotton, chopping cotton, and stuff like that. So that's how we survived. Um, so what uh, what made you decide to get into wrestling? And you know, more specifically, how how did you go up? You know, how did you become a wrestler back in the day? Huh? I always uh, growing up, I liked watching wrestling. Uh, especially when I moved away from home in the, in the 
in the right, go right to wrestling, you know, when I got back here because my ankle was uh, broken. It was, you know, it was it had to heal. So after a while, it was taking so long for myself to get here. So I went to Memphis to see a friend of mine, the late Dream Machine, uh, because he always get a hold to wrestling gear. So I went to see him, and I, that's when I ran up on Lawler. I had met Lawler before. Lawler and the local promoter, Jerry Jarrett. And uh, they asked me, was I looking for a job? I told them, no, no, my ankle was broke. And so they asked me to, would, would I, would I, you know, do a gimmick for them? So, so I said, yeah, I'd be glad to, but my ankle's broke. So anyway, they asked me to leave. They didn't want the fans to see me, so I left. I went home, and, when I, and they called me that Wednesday, and that's when we put together the Kamala gimmick. We was in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. And uh, so I got to give 99% of the credit to Jerry Lawler. Oh, okay. And uh, how, did, how did you uh, feel about the character early on? Did you... uh, I like stuff like that, and it was, uh, it, you know, uh, Lawler, he, he asked me, he said, are you going to be asked me was I going to be ashamed to do it but see I'm not ashamed to do stuff like that he thought I would but that's it, it, it I enjoyed it I mean I really enjoyed it that's why I did it so well yeah I, I honestly think that that's because uh, you really you committed to it and I think that's what what people responded to that you just went all out with it yeah yeah I really enjoyed it and I still enjoy it I get in the ring once in a while and I still enjoy it well how uh, how did you end up getting in the WWF how did you know, they uh, find out about you? Uh, well, the Kamala gimmick, it was so good, and it was sending out everywhere that I would go. It was, it was sold out crowds. I mean, you know, back then, 82, are you there? Yes, yeah. Okay, we talking uh, like 12, 15,000 people. That was a lot of people then, sold out everywhere I would go. And, you know, when you're uh, drawing like that, the word gets, gets around. But it still was a few years. I left, I went to Louisiana, stayed there a year and a half, sold out everywhere. Dallas, and then uh, Andre, I was working with Andre the Giant a lot then. That's when the territory was divided. And uh, Andre asked me, told me that Vince McMahon was interested in me coming to, we all called it New York, I don't know why. And I told him, yeah, that I was interested in coming, if he was interested in me coming. So, but this was Vince McMahon Sr. But uh, I never got to meet him. He died before I got there. I got there in 84, and I forget. I don't remember what year he died, but he died before I got there. Oh, okay. And uh, what was it like uh, wrestling for the WWF during its most popular era? And, you know, what are some of your favorite memories from that time? Now, some of my favorite favorite uh, memories would be with the legendary Hulk Hogan, the legendary Andre the Giant, uh, sellout crowds in Madison Square Garden, setting records all over with guys like that, and being on top. It just was a poor boy from Mississippi. It just was a thrill being on top, even though <laughs> I wouldn't compensate for it, but it just still was a thrill just being on top. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, I was going to ask you, uh, what some of your favorite people to work with were? You said uh, Andre the Giant and Hogan. Was there anybody else you really... Well, uh, uh, I, I ended, uh, yeah, working with Andre was okay, but my favorite uh, 
some of my favorite. I have a lot of them. Well, you know, Hogan was one, and not because he was a champion, but because he was a, a real gentleman. And I feel comfortable working with him. And guys like Brad Hart, who was a real sweetheart, who is a real sweetheart. I love working with Brad Hart. And uh, it's, it's a few other guys. I just can't think of them right off the top of my head. But those are a few. Uh, was there ever anyone that you uh, you wanted to wrestle with but you never got a chance to? Um, I always wanted to wrestle Ric Flair. I've been around Ric Flair for 20-something, about uh, almost 30 years, and I never wrestled against him. And I always wanted to have a main event match with him because I had had him with, uh, you know, guys on top like Andre and uh, Hogan. But... Uh, I wish it could have been so Ric Flair and I could have had a main event match. Oh, okay. Um, so what uh, what caused you to stop wrestling on a regular basis? What caused me to? Yeah, what, what ended up, uh, why did you end up uh, stopping wrestling full, uh, full schedule? Uh, it's kind of sad to say, but... Uh, after all those years in the business, I didn't make a lot of money, and I wasn't paid well, is what I say with the WWF. I wasn't paid well, even though Vince might have, well, I'm sure he know that he didn't pay me uh, what I deserved. Out of all the main event matches and things that I was in, you know, I, I still, uh, I just didn't make money. And uh, I don't know why, because it was sold out everywhere. And in 1993, after they had beaten me all over like a drum, you know, and I think that, not bragging on myself, but I was main event material. They just wouldn't, wouldn't pay me, and they just used me like you would, uh, you know, just beat me like a drum. And so in 93, that's when, uh, well, they gave me my notice. They just got rid of me. Oh, did they explain why they were getting ready, or they just decided? Well, my two uh, at that time you signed a contract, and my two years was almost up. Uh, my two years, I think, it like in a few months from being up. But they didn't have no more use for me. They had beat me, and uh, my drawing power was was gone because nobody wants to see a loser all the time. And uh, they never did say why, but uh, I'm sure that's the reason. Okay, so uh, do you still wrestle very often? I know you've made a few uh, surprise appearances with the WWF. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm booked most every weekend uh, in a lot of places like New York, Boston, and uh, all up in the New England area. I'm booked somewhere mostly every weekend. And uh, once in a while, I mean, I signed that uh, legend contract with the WWE for uh, to make those uh, wrestling figures. So I make appearances with the WWE once in a while. So how does that work with them? Do they just they call you if they have something for you, or like? Yeah, uh, because see, I don't I don't work for them on a regular basis on a regular basis. So they would uh, just. You know, to keep my face, uh, I get kind of fresh because I have merchandise, and I'm sure they want it uh, marketed too. 
Uh, well, and, and I know you uh, you recently you did an angle on Raw with uh, with Umaga, and which I thought was kind of interesting because I think in a lot of ways he's sort of almost you know very similar to uh, to the Kamala character. So I just wondered what was it like uh, working with him, and what you know uh, you know what was well, like. I worked with a lot of guys like him, so it was uh, it wasn't nothing special uh, about working with this guy. I mean, uh, he's a great guy. I've been knowing him since he was about. 20 years old. Uh, I've been to Samoa because I, uh, the, the Samoa and I, we get along real good. They took me to their country. And that's when I met him when he was 12 years old. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old man now, over the hill now, <laughs> as they would speak. And uh, the young guys that's coming up, I didn't mind doing a favor for, you know, for him, for him beat me to uh, try to get him over, but I got a lot of emails about that, saying that I look, even though at my age I look more vicious, and I look like I was a killer, and it just didn't look like he could have beat me. Yeah, I was honestly, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about. I was sort of disappointed with the way they did it. I thought they could have done more with you, you know, with bringing you back. Because like I said, I think he is a very similar character to yours. I think they could have built up that match more and made it, you know. Yeah, I think so too, but, you know, my, my, my word has <laughs> been no power at all, you know, so no need to say that. I mean, I could have refused to do it. I could have refused to even uh, take the booking, but, you know, I like the guy and, you know, it, 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 it was all right. Uh, well, so what do you what do you think of the the wrestling landscape today? You know, how how do you think it's do you think it's changed or evolved since you broke into the business? Or? Wrestling has changed, and uh, I mean, I like the way it was when I was coming up. I mean, when I was uh, uh, in my prime, because we told stories, it was meaning we didn't have to do a lot of high flying and all that stuff getting hurt every night. We didn't have to do any of that. And I think myself, I don't know, but I do believe that wrestling is on its way out because they have seen, the fans, the people have seen just about everything. So it's nothing, I can't see nothing left. Do you uh, do you still follow it pretty closely these days? No, no, I never watch wrestling. I never watch wrestling on television uh, because, uh, I mean, the only way that I do is if I go to some of my friends' house and they watching, they watching it, then I would look at it. But it, I have no interest at all in watching it and seeing who is who is where. Oh, okay. Um, but what, uh, you know, what do you do these days? Like, what, uh, you know, what kind of uh, schedule do you, I know you said that you do the, the independent bookings and stuff, but um, do, you, do you have a regular job, or is this, do you still wrestle full-time? Yeah. Yes, I have a regular job. I'm a truck driver, and uh, I was a truck driver before I became a wrestler. I've been driving trucks since 1970, but when I was uh, in my prime in the wrestling, I quit for about... Uh, say about 20 years uh, right at 20 years I quit driving trucks but anyway after I left the WWE in 93 I fell back into the truck oh okay um, well do you uh, how often do you get recognized do you, do you get recognized very often no well in my hometown everybody knows me around here I kept it here for a long time but everybody knows me around here and I don't get recognized in uh, a lot of airports unless I go to uh, New Orleans. Now, New Orleans 
of, what kind of people come up to you and, and say hello? Well, they come up and ask me, uh, uh, are you Kamala? And a lot of them would come up and uh, they would just call my real name because, you know, uh, they heard it or read about it somewhere. They'd call my real name just to see what I react to it. <laughs> Um, so if you never became a wrestler, uh, what do you think you would have ended up doing? Do you think you would have been a truck driver, or what do you think you would have ended up? Uh, I probably would have been still driving truck, but uh, I always, even when I was driving truck, I always wanted to be independent. I wanted to have my own business of some kind, even if it was driving truck. I wanted to be in control. Hulk Hogan was a real sweetheart, and whenever I think of wealth, 
richer. <laughs> richer is <laughs> money. <laughs> and a real, real gentleman. Uh, Vince somebody McMahon. that I was comfortable with, I think, a whole program. Oh, okay. Uh, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, I think of him as a wealthy man who is for Vince McMahon and who is real, uh, who is real smart, real intelligent, but is all for Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, Kamala. Kamala is a great, who don't want it all, but just want enough to take care of my family and take care of myself. I want to drive a Jaguar. I want to drive a Escalade. Uh, Jim Harris. Jim Harris? Uh, the same. <laughs> uh, the future. The future? Uh, I would like to one day, even if my singing, uh, any of my songs, if, if none of my songs become a hit with me singing them, maybe uh, somebody else will sing them and make a big hit and I make a lot of money. <laughs> There you go. Interview with Jim Harris. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, question everything. People's are barely over who have power But a watchful eye Will surely see you Every minute, every hour It's so hard Living this way When bill collectors calling Every day I look at the phone It's the bill collectors calling Look at my wife, she say, we're still falling. If I had a dollar for all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have hurt again. If I had a dollar for all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have hurt again. Something I want I pray all night When I know I can't get it Because things are tight She say I stand by you So please don't cry God is by our side And we'll get by If I had a dollar all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have hurt moving. If I had a dollar, all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have hurt moving. I want to thank all my fans. For all they have done, I know one day I will see the sun. So 
that's about all I have to say I want all of you to know I love you anyway If I had a dollar for the places I've been I wouldn't have to worry if I had a dollar for all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have heard moving. It's so hard living this way when Bill Collector's calling every day. It's so hard. Living this way when beer collects calling every day. If I had a dollar for all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have heard to be. If I had a dollar for all the places I've been, I wouldn't have to worry. I have heard to be. If I had one dollar uh, all the places uh, I've been uh, All uh, over the world Germany, England, Singapore, Africa China, just all over the world But I'm still thankful I'm just so thankful Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.